What is crack-a-lackin', Hardware Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with an emergency-ish podcast. Let's call it an impromptu podcast because it didn't feel like an emergency. Very quickly, before we get started, this is just a reminder. If you're checking us out for the first time or if you've not done so and you're a returning listener, please, please, pretty please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you're getting your podcast. Subscriptions and downloads are most important. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube for the first time, it would mean the world to me if you could hit that subscribe button, like, comment on the videos to help the algorithm love us back as we try and get our name more and more out there. So again, that would be appreciated. If you've done all those things, word of mouth. Tell your friends, family members, acquaintances, coworkers, random people that you know on the internet or don't know on the internet who you might have an inkling um, like basketball, sub-mediocre NBA takes. Uh, tell them about us, Hardwood Knox. Uh, join our Discord, the links to that are in the podcast description and also the YouTube description. With the housekeeping notes out of the way, though, we get to the Woj Bomb. It came on 2.31 Eastern Time Sunday night as I was thinking about getting ready to go to sleep. But then Woj was like, to me and only me, because that's the only person that matters, was just like, fuck you. Uh, the report, I'll read the first two lines of it. As Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant's trade request approaches a fourth week, the Boston Celtics have emerged among teams engaged in talks on a possible deal. Sources told ESPN, the Celtics appear no closer to acquiring Durant than others in discussions with the Nets, but Boston's ability to include all-star forward Jalen Brown as a centerpiece in offers does help to make the team formidable in its pursuit, sources said. This was interpreted many ways as a non -up, as an update, a non-update to the non-update that was the previous non-update since we've been at this Kevin Durant stalemate. Uh, a lot of other people took it as... Uh, Woj setting up the ESPN uh, TV content for the rest of the week, setting up the content for this podcast, other podcasts, other shows the rest of the week as the NBA news cycle sort of reaches its uh, nadir. We're entering that time of year. Uh, and there's really only Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell to talk about unless you, you know, what's going on with Colin Sexton, things along those lines, Russell Westbrook with the Lakers. Everything seems on hold though with, uh, you know, those three, like, t I guess I'll say teams, Nets, Jazz, and uh, Lakers just because they have players or, or avenues available and some of it's intertwined uh, and it has like the rest of the league at the stand. So, but we're at a point where executives are on vacation, coaches are on vacation, whatever. So regardless, um, that's what some people thought. I immediately saw that it was two 31 AM Eastern time. And I had the thought like you schedule that tweet where it's almost at the exact half hour, but it's not, you want to put it that one minute or two minutes after so that people think that you didn't schedule it. Because hashtag the grind, hashtag always working, hashtag team no sleep. That stuff is stupid. I don't recommend it. Yes, I know I need to take my own my own advice. Um, I It could be like a content setup. It could just be content for the sake of content. Um, I don't, the timing of it, I don't think he reports it just because. Maybe, maybe editors, producers, content smiths over at ESPN really wanted um, stuff to run with to start the week and didn't have much. So this was out there in the ether and we know that every team has probably been in contact with the nets to some degree about Kevin Durant. So you leak this out there gives, gives us all something to talk about. I will say what is odd. Why release it at this time? Uh, it would really only be if just ESPN wanted to have it as an anchor for its super early morning shows, but what was players in sleep anyways, we could have released it whenever. Are you afraid someone else is going to put it out there or this sort of feels like a message maybe being sent to the other teams that are involved. Like, Hey, if you're the Pelicans, if you're the Raptors, and we can't even really say if you're the Suns or the heat, because we know what their best offers are. And it's for the Suns, it's 
Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, other salary, and then their entire future draft. For Miami, it's it pretty much has to be Kyle Lowry, but it's going to be um, Jovic, Hero, Salary, their entire future draft. Maybe maybe Brooklyn will push for Max Struess. So this could sort of be a message to the other teams in the sweepstakes. Like, hey, the Pelicans, if you were trying to get away and we did a podcast uh, and video on YouTube for this th- last week, so go check it out. The Pelicans, I think, could cobble together a very meaningful offer without Brandon Ingram or C.J. McCollum and obviously Zion, who can't be traded at the moment. Um, but also the Raptors, they can cobble together an aggressive offer without Scotty Barnes. Brooklyn's going to want both of those players, Ingram and Scotty Barnes. So maybe it's a message to team like th- teams like that, or maybe it's just a message to teams in general, like, oh, Boston is setting the benchmark by including Jalen Brown in these talks. We also we don't know what else the Celtics would be theoretically discussing. Did they just do their due diligence? Excuse me, I'm talking too fast because I'm tired and always talking too fast. Did they just do their due diligence and say, hey, are you willing to do Jalen Brown? And it would have to be another salary to make it work. So let's. I'm assuming it'd be Derek White. Uh, Derek White and Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant straight up. Like, did they think that his, you know, Kevin Durant's value was going to reach that type of, of bottom? Uh, we don't know per this report how serious the Celtics are about their pursuit of Kevin Durant. I doubt this had anything to do with them leaking it because you don't. Jalen Brown is smart, super smart, uh, and can know that his team has probably had discussions involving him with Kevin Durant. You still don't want this out there, uh, but maybe also the Celtics are like, hey, he's extension eligible. He didn't want to sign one. Uh, we know that he probably wants max money when he does hit free agency, which is why he wouldn't sign one. And financially, look, he, he shouldn't because he would be a max player on the open market and his extension doesn't get him to the max. Um, maybe they're just like, well, we'd rather pay the next two to four years of Kevin Durant than pay Jalen Brown over the next seven, um, wh- whatever would work out to on his his next deal. I just have a hard time believe they would be the ones that are letting this out there. This feels very much next driven. Like it doesn't feel the Celtics are um, trying to move talks to the toward the goal line because they've they've stalled. And look, they just came off a finals bid, and they just got Malcolm Brogdon. They're a team that has eight really good defensive players in its rotation right now. Like there's just not a weak leak defensively among their their top eight. And you're not going to want to create this. I don't want to call it turtle, turmoil. Everyone in the league knows it's a business. But you don't want this out there unless it is super serious. That's the one thing that's sticking with me is that if this is out there, that it, it does have to have some material meaning in the sense that I don't think it has anything to do with the Celtics, to be honest, but it's more Nets driven. And if they are letting it out because they're trying to drive up other offers, that leads me to believe, and it's something that I would call it an educated belief, or uh, no, it's an uneducated belief, let's just be real, that the Nets don't want to go into training camp with Kyrie and Katie on the roster, that it would be an absolute shit show. If they did that, they want no part in it. They can posture, say whatever they want. And so they want this to be done. Maybe they'll still drag it into training camp, but like they don't want to have to go into the season with this. And that's sort of how I'm interpreting it, that you let this out now because you're trying to apply pressure to other teams because you don't want to be as patient as you've put out there that you're willing to be for the Celtics specifically. The value of Durant would be huge. Uh, they still, they looked at this roster and I don't think they need like necessary. I mean, every team needs Kevin Durant. Like he is just can fire over anyone. His, his bag of tricks on the, the offensive end, the Celtics could use him so creatively too with his rim protection on defense. Um, now you have two guys in Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant who are just a one shot creators. And that's maybe what the two things they were missing is did they have another a one from scratch creator because it's not smart or Jalen Brown. They're not really at that level. It's it's ditto for uh, 
Marcus Smart. Uh, and then did they have another, did they have even one A plus playmaker? Kevin Durant's not that, but he's like definitely an upgrade when it comes to secondary playmaking over a, a Jalen Brown. And so now you have all of these like one B playmakers with Tatum and Durant and Brogdon and even Smart there, even if you don't consider them the the one A alpha passers. So your team is better in the short term because we know that there's that huge age gap between uh, Kevin Durant and Jalen Brown. Because I think, look, Jalen Brown has aged out of the, the 25 and under discussion, but he is still closer to a decade than not younger than Durant. He's turning 26 in October and Durant's entering his age 34 season. There's that huge gap there. And if you're the Celtics, you have to bake that into your offer. Are you really going with your best offer of Jalen Brown? And it would be a 2025, 2027, and 2029 first round pick. Uh, you already have a swap going out in 2028. You traded your 2023 pick. You could include other swaps. But are you really going that all in for the age 34 season of Kevin Durant? I'm sure like he should want to be in Boston. Um, it's kind of a situation where it's set up to where he could sort of ease into a role down the line where he doesn't need to be the guy, but he does come in and it's still clear that he's the best player. Jason Tatum's there. Jason Tatum is still sort of their timeline, but it's not like him jockeying for a position with Steph. It's, it's just not like that. Uh, and it just gives him a chance to instantly contend. If I'm the Celtics, I'm not going like, maybe you include a pick and it can be a distant pick. If that's what the net wants, the nets want. This also sort of signals that they're really serious about wanting players who help them compete. Now I have maintained all along. I thought they would skew one way or the other where they're not going to get both picks and an all-star that could still be right. I just thought they'd eventually lean towards the draft equity route, even though their own draft is heavily mortgaged to Houston. I just, it seemed like a very aggressive offer would be more accessible in that form than getting a Scotty Barnes and Ingram. And I never thought Jalen Brown would actually be on the table. Now you get into the discussion of do the Celtics have the best theoretical trade package for Kevin Durant? If they're going, I'm talking about the full Monty of these, not that this is what teams should put on the table or are putting on the table, but their best offers. And so like, let's use Phoenix as an, as an example, it's Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, uh, four first round picks and three first round swaps. That would be their absolute best offer. That is their ceiling. Uh, Toronto could do basically the same setup with Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi, uh, or Gary Trent Jr. Plus other salary. And then you're getting four firsts and three swaps. Uh, the heat it's, um, it needs to be Kyle Lowry and then probably Tyler hero, Nicole Jovich. And if you can unprotect the pick you owe to OKC, you can do three firsts and three swaps. So the heat clearly to me among the teams that have been mentioned, and we know what new Orleans can do. I went over a trade offer. If they really wanted to, they can get to the money without Brandon Ingram and just include it's Dyson Daniels. Uh, and then Trey Murphy, the third, and then like, they can include any, like they can include a, sh a, a fuck ton of picks. Uh, but let's say they include like five or six first just to be able to hold on to Brandon Ingram, or maybe somewhere between four and six. Their best offer would be Brandon Ingram and then more first than the Celtics are offering uh, with Jalen Brown. Like that would, that would be the beat the Celtics offer. And there are so many, there are more variations to what New Orleans can offer than what Phoenix can offer after they resigned Aiden, what Miami can offer when looking at their salary matching. Uh, and even what Toronto can offer, they're more versatile because if you're willing to trade Pascal Siakam, so that the Pelicans and, and Toronto are definitely more flexible in what they can offer. They can really get aggressive without including Scotty Barnes, without including Siakam in Toronto, or maybe you include Siakam. And then it's in New Orleans where it's sort of, well, Ingram need, 
needs to be in it in theory, but he also doesn't if the Nets are willing to skew draft heavy or you rally third teams together to where maybe you're getting players that the Nets want with some of that draft equity while also sending some draft equity to Brooklyn. Um, so I think New Orleans and Toronto are the most fungible when it comes to the offers that they could go to. But when you look at the ceiling versus what the Nets want, I would say that Jalen Brown is the best immediate player that appears to be available for Kevin Durant. I think you can quibble over whether it's him or Brandon Ingram. And I might lean Brandon Ingram just because of his uh, creativity on the ball. He's, in, I don't want to say an iffier fit. He's a tougher fit next to Ben Simmons than Jalen Brown, just because you look at um, how much Brandon Ingram prefers to operate with the ball. I think he did really well with CJ McCollum. And I think he will do just fine with, with Zion Williamson next season and CJ McCollum together. Uh, but that is still something to, to factor in. And you do sort of value Jalen Brown is the better defender at this point by a pretty substantial margin. And so I think you go, I would lean Jalen Brown is more, ah, well, Brandon, ah, the thing with Brandon Ingram is he's under contract for longer. So you're looking at Jalen Brown has two years left on his deal at 28.8 million and then 30.8 million. But Brandon Ingram has three before he gets the free agency. So that extra year might matter to Brooklyn. Maybe they're not concerned about, and their, their payrolls are they're within a few million dollars of each other. Maybe Ingram does have a trade bonus. I don't know if Jalen Brown has a trade bonus, but that is really sort of immaterial to this discussion. Uh, so you have that extra year of Brandon Ingram. Maybe that makes him slightly more valuable. And again, his on-ball creativity is such that it exceeds Jalen Brown. It's neck and neck. Um, I think what it would come down to, if you're looking at these players as the base of offers, and I'm not saying the Pelicans are offering Brandon Ingram. I was an advocate of saying, I probably wouldn't do it if I'm them. But if you have the chance, if Kevin Durant says, hey, I want to come to New Orleans, I do think fans are being a little, uh, like, it's not even short-sighted, but ignorant to say, well, we're going to have a longer title window with this core because it's younger. The league doesn't work like that. And also with Zion's health and his his archetype of just like this anomaly of a human being, I would be worried about my window being shorter than most because of his athletic problem. He'll, he already has those injuries in the rear view. No, I don't want to bank on him not being available, but you also can't just pencil the Pelicans in for a seven to nine year title window in a couple seasons. Uh, we've even seen teams that are healthy just fall apart because players leave. I mean, the Golden State, well, I mean, they weren't healthy at the time, but these title windows in the NBA are increasingly fleeting. If you have the chance to open one and Kevin Durant opened one for you and he says, I want to go to New Orleans, you have to at least entertain and be open to moving Brandon Ingram. I'm not saying you need to make the call, but it's, I, I, I'm not talking about just media. I'm not talking about just the team, but the fans even need to just realize like, this is Kevin fucking Durant at the end of the day. You would roll the dice depending on what the other parameters are. And so you put Ingram versus Jalen Brown. And then I'll do this too. If you did Siakam versus Ingram versus Jalen Brown, like let's say Toronto was willing to trade Siakam for Durant because we know the Nets want to win now. You don't want 28-year-old Pascal Siakam if you're rebuilding for the most part. That being said, it doesn't appear that the Nets want to do that. That's like three really interesting immediate pieces. They beat out Kyle Lowry from Miami. They beat out Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson from, from Phoenix there. Then it all of a sudden comes down to, okay, well, who's willing to include more picks? New Orleans has the ability to include the most picks, but when you're looking at, and I'll say because of their age, Boston and New Orleans are incentivized to include fewer picks than I think Toronto would have to with Siakam. And I also think... You're looking at some of these, I mean, maybe not Boston feel that way, but like Toronto, maybe you don't trust them to be bad anytime soon because you're letting them keep Scotty Barnes. Whereas even in Boston though, you're not going to trust them to be bad with Jason Tatum still there. New Orleans, 
an iffier proposition just because of Zion's injury history, but you wouldn't, those aren't teams that I would want to bet against their future anyway. What I'm basically saying is who would be willing to include the most picks in that? I don't think, I think Boston would be committed to adding the fewest just because I'm looking at it through this perspective. They've already been to the finals. They added Malcolm Brogdon to their rotation. They very well could be the favorites to come out of the East next year, depending on how healthy the, the Bucks are. I think I'm leaning towards the Bucks at this point, but Kevin Rant's on the Celtics, that'll certainly change. Uh, so I just, I don't think, and they, they have fewer picks to offer, but I don't think they're incentivized as much as a Toronto or New Orleans to include more picks. And I'm saying this as if New Orleans is actually involved, it means they're actually involved. Like this isn't, if they're having their little cutesy quaint offer, that's not really serious. Okay, fine. Then they're not going to include as many picks. But if, if Brandon Ingram is on the table is my point, then they're, they're committed. That's a show of commitment by even discussing Brandon Ingram, not to say he's untouchable, but you're at least entertaining the possibility that, okay, we're going to do this and that's going to take more equity. Uh, I think of the three Boston is, could probably put together the package that the Nets like the most. I think they would end up valuing Jalen Brown more than Brandon Ingram, if only because of Ben Simmons being in Brooklyn. That's really, those players are so neck and neck when you're looking at their values. Um, Jalen Brown, more two-way, but Ingram made some strides on defense. And again, the playmaking is just so different. I, I think the Nets would prefer Jalen Brown. I hope Pelicans fans aren't mad about that. And so if Boston came into Jalen Brown, three first-round picks, I think they would prefer that to Siakam and three first, first three to four first round picks. And then I don't know. The thing with Pel the Pelicans too, is that they can offer the Milwaukee pick in 27 and that Lakers pick in 24 deferred to 2025 in addition to their own. Um, but are they incentivized as much as the Raptors to include the most picks that they can if Brandon Ingram is on the table already? I don't think that they are. I just think the Raptors, they already have Van Fleet. There's scenarios in which they don't even give up Siakam or Barnes. Um, because you have OG Ananobi, you have Gary Trent Jr., you could get to other salary filler, you can include those picks. Uh, and they just feel like they would be a little bit more, we've seen them be more aggressive in these situations than New Orleans historically. So it's not a matter of, look, outright, I want to make this clear. The, I think the Pelicans can offer the best package. I, When it comes to willingness, or let's say the Pelicans can offer the best package. I don't think they're the team that would be willing to offer the best package. Uh, when you're talking about realistic avenues, I think the Celtics can realistically offer the best package that the Nets would want, that they're the team that blends the, this offer's really attractive and we'd be maybe willing to give it to you. And I don't even know how much I buy that. And then I feel like the Raptors are the most incentivized to throw everything um, that's not uh, named Scotty Barnes at the Nets and try and work it that way. So that's where I'm sort of split here. I do think this report overall it's fine if you think that it's worthless. I won't push back against that theory. Um, I thought it was notable enough to record a podcast at a little bit after four in the morning uh, Eastern time on, on Monday. We'll see if anything comes of this. I don't have the same, I don't have that inkling or that knowledge that this deal is going to come together quickly and that this was sort of a last ditch effort to drive up the price. I do think because this report released that it is more likely that Kevin Durant now gets moved before the start of next season than it was just a few hours before I recorded this. That's not to say that this isn't out there because it's like the slow season, if you want to view it that way. I just don't think you let this get out there unless you're actually committed to moving Kevin Durant or wanting to explore the market for Kevin Durant. And so that just, to me, my read on it is the Nets aren't as, oh no, we'll let this get awkward if we need to and have both Kyrie and Katie come back. 
Maybe it's different if the relationship had soured with one of the players. The fact that it's both, and that this is a, a, a pal that's been hanging over your franchise for what feels like eternity at this point. I don't think you want to go into next season when you're also trying to, they're very clearly trying to take the organization back um, from the stars that they handed it over to a few years ago. So that's my read on it. I don't, in the end, I don't think Kevin Durant goes to the Celtics. I think he'd be more likely to go to the Raptors than the Pelicans or the Celtics. And then the Pelicans before the Celtics being in the middle there. I still think because this is what tends to happen with stars that he's most likely to end up in Phoenix because that's where he wants to go first and foremost. And their package is at least more attractive than Miami's, but I ultimately think he ends up in Miami or Phoenix still. I would love for it to be a dark horse team just for the chaos. And then maybe that also, I don't want to say send a message because I'm not saying NBA players need to be taught a lesson, but it might make this awkward trade demand set up, which I get into in the mailbag that hopefully you all hear on Tuesday. Cause I don't want to put out two podcasts in, uh, one day, but um, uh, we get into this, that this is going to be addressed in the next CBA trade requests in general, but something as stark as Kevin Durant, the resolution to this is going to loom over those uh, CBA negotiations. And if he goes to a wild card team, uh, I just feel like that would maybe act as sort of this organic uh, obstacle for players who might be considering to do the same with this many years left on his deal. And so even if he didn't put Toronto on a short list or he didn't put New Orleans on a short list and the Nets just sent him there anyway, I root for chaos. I'm not anti-KD. I'm not anti-player. I'm not pro-billionaire. I root for chaos. And so that's what I would like to see. I still think the most likely ending is the least inventive ending. And that's megastars tend to get where megastars want to go. He has cited to the best of our knowledge that he would go to Phoenix or Miami. Uh, maybe he'll start opening up that list, especially now that Boston's involved. I would say this report though does not mean does, I'm not, I don't think it's any more likely the Celtics get Kevin Durant than I did um, before this report came out. And I didn't even really have them. I thought they could offer a competitive package. I just didn't have them in the mix. Maybe I'll be wrong. But I also think even if I'm right, this report amounts to more than fluff. It does it. It is at least a harbinger of not just the state of negotiations, but sort of the state of how the Nets are thinking. Because this information isn't just out there randomly. Uh, because Woj wanted first take to have something to talk about on ESPN. It, it, honestly, it doesn't even work like that. And I know that there are um, conflicting agendas, but like it wouldn't work like that. It, it wouldn't come at this time of night either, at 2.31 a.m. Eastern time. Woj with the with the chaos grenade, the Woj bomb, but, but the chaos grenade, the fuck you uh, minefield or grenade or bomb, so, so to speak. So that's where I'm at on this. I think the Celtics could offer one of the better packages in in the league, I just I'm not attaching that many picks to Jalen Brown, given the age gap and the fact this is where my team is at. It's great that you think Kevin Durant puts you over the hump. You don't know that this isn't a question of you needing to get over the hump. Like you might already be there. You could have theoretically been there this past season. I know the road to a title doesn't get any easier with the Raptors perking up. The Bucks shouldn't go anywhere. The Sixers shouldn't be going anywhere. The Heat are still going to be there. And then out west, you have more contenders you need to um deal with. Whether you know you look at the Clippers in Denver specifically, in addition to the Warriors, the Suns aren't going to go anywhere. Uh, do the Pelicans or the Timberwolves, do one of those teams sort of explode and enter the fringes of the discussion? What happens with the Lakers? Do they get Miles Turner? Do they get um, Buddy Hill? Do they wind up with Kyrie Irving? Because that changes the complexion of the race. I get there being urgency in Boston, and maybe maybe they've gotten the sense that Jalen Brown doesn't want to be there long-term. Uh, if they've had that conversation with him, then yeah, that changes a lot of things as well. This doesn't feel like that either because that information is very clearly not in there. Uh, so I think to sum up here, 
uh, the Celtics are still not the most likely Kevin Durant destination, but the fact that it's out there that Jalen Brown is on the table very much serves a purpose to let other teams know uh, what baseline they're working for toward. And I, I will say, I still don't think the nets are going to be able to get both. Like, like if you get Jalen Brown and a pick or two, I don't think that counts as, Oh, we got all these picks and an all-star. Uh, you could sell it as multiple picks in an all-star. Like they're going to either have to choose the Jalen Brown or Brandon Ingram type package, or maybe the Pascal Siakam type package, or the one that's just teaming with picks. I don't think we look back at this and say, Oh, the Pelicans moved like four firsts in addition to Brandon Ingram or the, or the Celtics did three in Brown or the, the Raptors did four and Siakam. I don't think we look back on that with Phoenix and Miami. It's different just because the primary players they'd be trading are not these like could be, or, or are. Uh, fringe superstars. So yeah, you could see them throwing all their picks on the table, but that's not getting an all-star player back in return. You don't sell Kyle Lowry as that. I love Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. They're not that either. So I'm very just interested to see how discussions with other teams or what other reports we might find going from here. Hopefully this podcast isn't outdated by the time you listen to it. Thank you all for joining me um, for this latest Kevin Durant update. I will have a mailbag barring something happening uh, that's already recorded, done. It's mostly evergreen content. It'll be out on Tuesday. So look forward to that. If this is your first time checking us out on podcast form or on YouTube, please hit the permanent subscribe button. Uh, it would mean the world. Like, comment, follow us on the socials. Uh, those are both in the descriptions in the podcast and the YouTube channel. And join our Discord. The links to the Discord are in the pod descriptions as well as the YouTube descriptions. Until next time, and as always, I leave you all with a shout out to the one, the only, the untouchable in Kevin Durant trade talks asset, Frank, you yeah. yeah.